welcome to the Basement Astrologers. Coming to you live from the middle of the Middle West in above average St. Paul, Minnesota. And also coming to you live from the beautiful Pacific Northwest in Puyallup, Washington. I'm Kip from Udomania Astrology, and with me is Meredith. Hello. From Earthling Astrology, and we're here to rock this boat. We're coming to you on November 16th, 2018 at 11.10 a.m. Pacific Coast Time. And today, we are going to talk about Jupiter. Yay! Jupiter, the big guy in the sky. So we're going to break down um, just some significators of Jupiter. And we're going to talk a little bit about... Um, what we can expect from this big year-long transit that's going to be happening, use some examples from past Jupiter transits, and then maybe we will pull up some Jupiterian people. Uh, maybe people we don't even know for sure have prominent Jupiters in their charts, and, uh, and pull it up and see if we can, we can find it in there. So that's the plan, and I'm going to let Meredith start by just talking about what Jupiter is a planet. What's Jupiter like in outer space? Well, Jupiter is, like I said, the big guy in the sky. He is the biggest planet in our solar system. He's a gas giant. He might have some stuff underneath that, but we don't know yet. Um, he has a giant red pimple, which you can usually see with your own telescope in your backyard, the giant red spot. He, I don't, I don't have the stats in front of me. I usually like the stats. I didn't have time to prep for that, but just know he's the biggest guy in the sky and in astrology, He's also kind of this, a symbol for expansion. Um, so wherever Jupiter falls in your chart, expect something big or expansive. <clears throat> so in classical <clears throat> or traditional astrology, we had um, the seven traditional planets, uh, which doesn't include Neptune, um, Uranus, and Pluto. And Jupiter was the second to last one. Um, Saturn being the furthest planet you can see with the naked eye. So Jupiter was thought to be this huge um, place where all the signifiers of all the different planets would come and, and he would kind of rule over them and expand them and, and bring things together. And the only limiting factor on Jupiter is the fact that Saturn is right outside. So Saturn's were the rules, the boundaries. He was, he was the limiting force, he or she. So there's some really great stuff about Saturn being the uh, old crone and actually a female archetype. But we'll, we can talk about that. That'll be on the show. Saturn episode. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm friends with Saturn, so we'll do a Saturn one too. Oh, yeah. Our own old crone is, is the Saturn person. Huh. Um, so I, I'm going to pull up some traditional sources. But first, Meredith, why don't you talk just a little bit about when you see Saturn in someone's chart or or... Um, think about Saturn generally. What are just some signifiers that come up for you? You mean Jupiter? Jupiter. <laughs> totally. <laughs> we were just talking like yeah. Mercury is uh, stationed today and he's affecting us both big time. So we'll be correcting each other probably a lot on oh, this episode. Man. And so not only is, is Jupiter state, or I'm sorry, Mercury, see, there it is again. Yeah. Mercury is stationed in the sign of Mercury's detriment. So in Sagittarius, which is opposite the sign Ju Ju uh, Mercury rules, which is Gemini. Mercury is also, as Mercury stations in Mercury's detriment, exactly square to Neptune, the planet of fogginess and dissolving boundaries. And that just happens to be where uh, Mercury is stationed exactly on my natal Neptune. 
being my natal Neptune is square Neptune in the sky, and that's also my descendant. So, so basically, some... you're gonna sound a little drunk today when you aren't. Like you're gonna... <laughs> maybe I should get drunk. And maybe I'll not nice. as precise as you normally are, but yeah. Um, hopefully this pod goes well because we're gonna be tripping over our words. I've already spilled on the floor six times and dropped my lunch and all that, <laughs> all that stuff. Um, and we have the very similar charts. So when Mercury affects one of us, it affects both of us totally, in the totally. same way. So sorry, what am I supposed to be talking about? Jupiter now you're just in a chart. When you see okay. Jupiter in a chart, what do you think? I think, okay, so Jupiter is, you know, like I said, the big guy, he's the planet of wisdom. He's the planet of, you know, truth seeker, the seeking part of someone. It's where someone will find their, their path, um, what they're drawn to on a spiritual kind of quest, like a vision quest type of archetype or symbol. Um, Jupiter is also known as good luck. I was a little skeptical of that until he transited my sixth house in the last year. So I'm, I'm kind of on the luck train with him. He can bring abundance if you work with him correctly. And he, uh, bleh, bleh. <laughs> like, what else can I say about Jupiter? He's just, um, will expand uh, the, the house where he's in in your chart and uh, expand on the themes of the sign as well. So when I see Jupiter in someone's chart, I think of that as the place where they're, they're a little lucky. They've got good stuff coming to them. A place where a lot of context can be um, drawn. So I think of Jupiter as kind of a sticky. Jupiter can bring things together and write the story. I think of Jupiter as the one that writes the story. Mercury tells the story. Uh -huh. Jupiter writes it. So when I see transits, I see a point where good stuff's happening and things will cling to it and it will be part of our story. When I to talk to clients about Jupiter, I say Jupiter is like Santa Claus. Jupiter comes bearing gifts, and when Jupiter shows up in your chart, that's um, where you should be happy. And so I've seen a bunch of people actually recently who either have Jupiter on the ascendant, so Santa Claus is showing up in their first house where they interact with the world, great sign. Well, you might get a little get a little chubby. Jupiter expands. I want to look out. Yeah. That. So um, I think of <clears throat> Jupiter as the yes planet. He'll say yes. Totally. Yeah. Um, and, and people who have Jupiter sun. So that's, if you are a Sagittarian, <clears throat> this is your year. Yay. Yay. Sagittarians. Um, get yep, ready. Have a Jupiter return. Right. Get ready for bounty to show up. So what I'm going to do is I pulled out one of my uh, traditional astrology books on the heavenly spheres, which is written by Helena Avalar and Luis Ribeiro. I believe they're Portuguese, but they might. I'm just going to say Portuguese. If I'm wrong, someone correct me. Um, this is one of the very first um, books on traditional astrology. There's a few really great ones out right now, which I talk about a lot in this show, so I don't need to pimp everybody. Uh, if you don't have this in your library and you're into, into traditional astrology, you should probably get it. What I'm going to do, giving these two all the credit in the world, is read just a list of traditional associations with Jupiter. <clears throat> and... If at the end, Meredith wants to take some issue with it or we want to talk about it a little further, we can definitely do that. I, but I do want to get it <clears throat> onto the pod. So Jupiter is a diurnal, masculine planet, moderately hot and moist. It is associated with the air element and the sanguine temperament. Jupiter is one of the most brilliant planets in the sky, only surpassed by the brightness of Venus. Its radiant and luminous expression in combination with its slowness and distance from Earth, make it a symbol of harmony, well-being, and kindness. In many mythologies, Jupiter is associated with the heavenly king. Its tempered 
nature, its role as mediator between the extremes of cold and heat, Saturn and Mars, which it falls between in the sky, and its clear radiance make Jupiter a symbol of the intermediary and legislator, he who promotes temperance. Jupiter thus symbolizes moderation, justice, religion, law, and magnanimous actions. Because it is slow-moving, Jupiter is one of the chronocrators, the markers of time, as is Saturn. Their conjunction cycles represent important changes in societies and civilizations. Just an aside, that's going to happen in 2020, um, so it's coming up every decade, Jupiter and Saturn hit in the sky. It's one of the reasons decade is used as decade, 10. This planet is known as the Greater Bunefic because its moderately hot and moist nature is beneficial to life. This fact makes Jupiter the representative of abundance, growth, and balance. It is dignified expression. Jupiter represents modesty, sobriety, and justice. It expresses magnanimity, loyalty, and daring. It is a symbol of the aspiration of high ideals reached through honorable and just means. Honor, nobility, and religiosity belong to its nature. It also represents indulgence, generosity, and charity, and its actions are direct and moderate. Jupiter's debilitated expression gives rise to extravagance, obstinacy, fraudulent actions, and hypercritical religiosity. It can be pompous, boastful of knowledge, and <clears throat> status it doesn't possess, and express itself in a rude manner. It can represent ignorance and carelessness. So that's <clears throat> that's the traditional representations of Jupiter. Anything about that list jump out at you, Meredith? Um, no, most of it I found a legit. There's lots of big words in there, but I kept hearing the word moderate, which I don't know if I would apply the word moderate to Jupiter, but I guess I'd have to reread it. But everything sounded good. Yeah, uh, that's a very poetic description of what Jupiter represents for us. So I think <clears throat> I like to use the idea of Jupiter as context building, as, as writing the story. And I think when I think of Jupiter as the moderator, I think of the person writing the story. So bringing all those things together, seeing how they connect, being the nexus. Um, and I think of that as the term moderate. Okay, that makes more sense. And that thinking back on my own story from the last year, that that resonates. That lands. Thank you. So <clears throat> Jupiter has a 12-year cycle. <clears throat> it spends about one year in each sign. Right now, Jupiter just entered its favorite place. Jupiter rules two signs, one of which is Sagittarius. It loves being at Sagittarius. Uh, big ideas, um, big philosophy. Jupiter uh, has all the room to expand and think and look at the big picture in Sagittarius. And since uh, Jupiter is a 12-year cycle, we can think back to 12 years ago. So it being 2008. 18 and really what Jupiter's most of Jupiter's time will be in 2019. We look back 12 years. Um, so two, so 12 years from 2019 was 2007. That was the last long transit. So Meredith looked up some tidbits from 2007. You want to share some of those? Yeah. Um, so Jupiter was in Sag November of 2006 through December of 2007. And I was trying to find some, you know, historical Sagittarian Jupiter events and I look back then I mean that was when the first iPhone was announced that oh, wow. is a big deal now like oh but almost 
everyone has at least seen or heard or has an iPhone or I'm on like my fifth one. You know, back then I was like, I'm never getting an iPhone. They're too complicated. I need, I need a flippy thing. You know, like, how do I know it's not going to call people? So that was announced back when Jupiter was in Sagittarius last time. Um, some random fact, the largest passenger ship ever in the world went into service. It's called Liberty of the Sea. <laughs> <clears throat> wow, that I buy that. Yeah, lots and lots of big terrorist events happened back then. I don't even want to talk about those, but just know there was an inordinate number of them. Just lots of, like Jupiter, I said, expands things, and there was just, I had to stop reading after a while. Also, <coughs> the uh, film, the documentary, Inconvenient Truth, oh, yeah. won um, the Oscar. So, like I said, Jupiter is the truth teller, the truth seeker, and whether the truth is inconvenient, he will still tell it. Oh, funny. Um, and also that was back when gas was really expensive. <laughs> I don't know if you remember when you were paying three, four, almost $5 a gallon for gas back uh, last time Jupiter was in Sagittarius. So <laughs> he's not always good luck or good things. And it, it's hard. Sometimes I'll see people like, oh, this sucks right now. And I'm like, well, that's Jupiter. It might suck right now, but he's always, you know, working for your highest good and your best interest. So I hope gas, I mean, hey, it might go up again in the next year. It's relatively affordable now, but we could see closer to five bucks a gallon like we did 12 years ago. I don't know. Well, that's chipper. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't look up any specific um, facts, but that last Jupiter transit happened at a time when there were a lot of things getting their story told. So that was towards the end um, of kind of the ambitious view of the Iraq war. That was the time of the surge when General Petraeus went in and surged, sent in a bunch of additional people to kind of calm down the war. So such as we could get any form of, um, of wrapping up the story. That was, that was where it happened. Um, In addition, it was the point at which the housing market and lending was at its most robust. The story of the incredibly expansed housing market was really being told. And there were a lot of people at this point who were at that, take a bunch of money out of your house and use the value as a credit card, take out multiple, um, you know, non-traditional mortgages. That was really at its apex. And when Jupiter then moved in the next year into Capricorn, that was when the housing market collapsed. Um, And so, you know, not I'm not starting any 2020 uh, hysteria yet. I'm sure we'll have lots of time to talk oh, about all so the fun much. stuff happening <laughs> in 2020. Um, but we are at a similar cycle where um, kind of the trajectory that the Obama economy um, was going was then um, taken over by the current president and a huge um, bulbous amount of money was thrown at the economy via a very, very large um tax cut, which has expanded the federal debt. The federal debt this year is actually higher than it was the year we were recovering and had the recovery act. We spent more money on the tax cuts than we did um, on the, um, what was called TARP, which was the uh, money we put towards helping the economy get started again. Uh, We're seeing a stock market that's now fluctuating a lot. It kind of looks like the housing market did during that 12 years ago time, it's still at an all-time high, but it goes up and down, it bounces, and it can bounce a lot. So the story of a lot of these efforts, the story of our recovered economy, the story of our bull market, 
Those are really <clears throat> could are likely coming to an apex, and it's all happening while Jupiter's here. Right. Yeah. Thank you. No. Um. And I wanted to, if you're cool with it, go back backwards and talk about his last year in Scorpio. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um. Because I have some historical things, and that's. I mean, that's as astrologers how we learn. Uh, to you know, forecast themes and events in the future is by going back in time to see sure. what happened mm-hmm. the last time a planet was in a sign or in a house if it's in your own natal chart. And I mean, the last year Jupiter, I think, has both been in our six houses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, both of our astrology careers have you know expanded. I would say for sure. Uh, and I have my own personal stories on that. But we saw the Me Too movement in Jupiter and Scorpio in the last year. What else can you think of in the last year that Jupiter and Scorpio presented <clears throat> to us? Well, first, let's um, address Scorpio. So Scorpio, just real quickly, is a fixed water sign. So held in place emotions yep. ruled by Mars, which is so it's deep. Pluto. Tense. <laughs> okay. Um, deep, tense, um, powerful interior emotions. A lot of times when we think of Scorpio... We think of someone who looks deep, looks under things, the investigator. Yeah, like Scorpio always loves CSI and X-Files and, you know, all those kind of like investigative totally. s- shows. Yeah, and secretive, mysterious type stuff. And the ideas, the things that I see when I hear people talk about Pluto and I hear people talk about Scorpio that I think are similar are some of those themes of transformation. Because when you take um, ideas and you put it into that crucible that can be Scorpio, um, you can you get a new substance coming out of it. That investigative lens uh, turns into a new view. So if you think of Jupiter going through Scorpio, going through that intensity, that look underneath, that deep investigation, what we saw was a lot of people coming forward and telling their stories, saying, this is how the world has been for me. Um, and, and so we, we had the Me Too movement. Yeah, and just like the dark, secretive stuff that's been around forever, kind of Jupiter coming through and bringing it to the surface, bringing truth to it, letting people feel more comfortable speaking their truth and not keeping it hidden. Um, Scorpio is really good at keeping things hidden under the surface, and Jupiter comes through and is um, telling the story of those hidden things. I do had. Um, do you want to say anything else about Jupiter and Scorpio in the last year? <clears throat> just, uh, yeah. So to, to wrap up kind of my theme of Jupiter telling that story... So we had this time, and it was a lot of it was based on the political streams in our country, which took an over large um, amount of oxygen out of the the ether during the last couple of years. We had this intense period, and we're still going through it. The uh, kind of reclamation process of what do we do now that we know how our society and how people have been treating women. I shouldn't say that. A lot of people knew. Now it's out in the open. It's part of the story, and. Jupiter telling that story, we just have more, after that last election, more than 100 women serving in the House of Representatives for the first time ever. So that story was wrapped up, um, that that it was told, and women are now in a more prominent position to make decisions. And so, you know, Jupiter, yeah, it was super tough as we went through it, and the results are um, empowerment, enlargement, um, more of a voice. Yep, for sure. Um, I actually, so I went back to the last time Jupiter was in Scorpio, uh, and got some other truths that came out that were hidden or started to come out. And this was October, 2005 through November, 2006. And this is when, um, I don't know his Pope name, but the Ratzinger (laughs) guy was Pope. And turns out he allegedly was covering up, you know, kind of the abuse scandals going on in the Catholic church. That was just 
starting to become a bigger deal thanks to Jupiter. It was kind of hidden uh, in each diocese or in each church for a while. And back then, 12 years ago, or I guess 13 years ago now, it started to become a bigger story. Also, that's when Lance Armstrong was just starting to be oh, investigated wow. for yeah. all the secretive, you know, life of a, what is, what's his? Can you tell that story? Because I, I bet there are people, that was long enough ago. I bet there are people who don't know who Lance Armstrong is. So, well, he's a biker. I mean, like, like not a motorcycle. What, what's the name? Um, he, he, uh, the, the a cyclist. Uh, oh, cyclist. Thank you. He was, he won, was it the, uh, what's the name of the race? The Tour de France. Many Yeah, times. Tour de France. He, he won it like seven times. And then people started accusing him of doing performance enhancing drugs. And he did it. He ended up being found guilty and admitted to the whole thing, but it took years. And the last time Jupiter was in Scorpio was the first time that he started being investigated and he denied it up and down, up and down, up and down. But Jupiter, whether the truth is inconvenient or not, the truth will be told. And it eventually was told in his story. So that's another, I thought, good example of Jupiter and Scorpio last time. That's a really intense story, too. So he was the greatest cyclist in the world. He actually had testicular cancer. And in one of his testicles, maybe both of them removed, I don't know. Um, but he used that as the reason why he was saying that any of the tests came up against me. He was saying, no, I, you know, I took these drugs because I had cancer. I'm a cancer survivor. And what it turned out he was doing was after races, they would all lay down in their buses so you couldn't see them. And they had oxygenized blood. Don't ask me. That I, I don't know how they do that. But they were doing blood transfusion. They called it blood doping. And that's one of the reasons it was difficult to find. They could find increased levels, but there weren't actually any um, like substances specifically in there. They, they had figured out a way to rig the system. That story is crazy to me. I mean, he was such an inspiration for oh, cancer survivors. Yeah. He was kind of like, you know, Jupiter's the king. He was the king. You don't oh, want to sure. like see the fall of your king, your idol. I mean, that story is, you know, heart-wrenching and you can see both sides of it. But that's just another, um, like I said, the truth's going to come out. And, and he had a charity, the Livestrong charity. I mean, yeah. he was a smoking huge deal. Yeah. Um, so that's just one another example of when that first started to come out. And then thirdly, you might have more to say about this one. I don't. Like I said, I you know how much I love politics and things like that. But Bush, uh, last time Jupiter was in Scorpio, signed an executive order, or maybe that's not what it's called, to eavesdrop on Americans. Um, I don't know what it was called. Like he signed it that we can be spied on, which is very like secretive, <laughs> investigative stuff. Uh, and the truth was told in that. Yeah, he, he it actually happened. So that that was called the, jeez, um, how am I not going to pull the name of this? I know. I was just in front of me on my computer, and I didn't write the name. Um, it was like an eavesdrop order. I don't know what kind of order it was. And I don't know when that came out officially or publicly that he actually did it, but that was when Jupiter was in Scorpio. I, I'm going to Google it right now. I'm I, You blindsided me with this. Um, Ooh, I did? So, cool. <laughs> so it really, so if you think of the NSA, the National um, Security Administration, what, what they were doing and they still do um, is they, they basically collect all of the information um, that's going on um, electronically. Um, and I could break down the legalities of this and how they, they got around certain things. But what they're saying is that they were only taking things from calls coming from people coming into the United States. Well, that wasn't the case. 
But that wasn't true, right? It's like Lance Armstrong saying, oh, I'm doing this because I had cancer. It's like you're kind of skirting around what's actually happening. Kind of the same kind of a story in a different situation. Yeah, so that was ugly. That's a really great pull. What a a perfect uh, scorpionic signifier there. So, yeah, I mean, just examples I was using, um, which kind of came up in the last year and now in 12 years when Jupiter is again in Scorpio, what's going on in the world? We can kind of look at history to see what might surface. So I'm pulling up Lance Armstrong's birth chart. That's what that's one of the reasons I was so oh, blindsided. Good um, idea. Is I'm going to pull it up. Um, well, maybe maybe that maybe we're going to find out that he wasn't and that really one of the. So I'm going to share my screen with Meredith so she can see it. But uh, uh, like, I can pull I'm, it up. I, I, I got my iPad. OK. Um, <laughs> So he was born on September 18th, 1971 in Dallas, Texas. We don't have a time, but the reason I pulled this up was to actually look at his, um, his Jupiter and wow. So it's funny that we're talking about him. Lance Armstrong's Jupiter is at one degree Sagittarius, zero degree Sagittarius, and it is exactly conjunct Neptune. So the story of Lance um, being this um, this big expansive celebrity there, there it was hidden. It was a mystery. So his greater philosophy was um, hard to view. It might have been hard for him to even understand. Well, Neptune brings delusion and illusion to things. He's kind of delusional about his own truth, I guess. Wow. Yeah, that's really Um, fascinating. It'd be cool to get a birth time. I, I, I'm just looking at a noon chart. I assume you are too. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a Jupiter guy. <laughs> um, I'm trying to find the aspects quickly. I think the other big aspect is that Venus is exactly sextile that Jupiter-Neptune um, conjunction. She's at one degree Libra, so she's exalted too. So she he has this amazing, like the two benefics are in a great relationship with each other. Uh, but you still, you just have Neptune right there just making things grander, but also more diffuse, harder to grab your hands around than Ooh. they were. And when you get, so at the point at which Jupiter was going through Scorpio, so Jupiter was, <clears throat> Scorpio's the, the sign right before Sagittarius. And so when a sign is right next to each other like that, we call it in a cadent house. So the two Jupiters, his natal Jupiter and Jupiter in the sky couldn't see each other. They couldn't communicate. They couldn't talk. They were at the worst possible relationship that they could have. And what a time for his story to be written, for it to be uncovered. That one of the, the planets that really is one of the main signifiers in his chart. Um, the other thing I think is really interesting is that he is um, a Virgo sun and he has um, G- uh, Mercury also um, exalted and um, in rulership in virgo and he's a he has a balsamic moon also in virgo so you have this detail-oriented guy who really could get down into the weeds and it really is the type of person that if for whatever reason they wanted and this isn't a super virgoan trait they're normally pretty honest people but if they wanted to figure out all the ways in which you could skirt around the issues this would be the perfect person to be able to do that but look and at the sun Pluto too. Like he can manipulate it. It's four um, degrees away. It's definitely powerful. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that's not even notable. Um, but uh, and please, I'll let you go on about 
Pluto in just a sec. But you have this guy who's super detail oriented, uh, Virgo, someone of service. He had this huge charity, but also that um, that Jupiter, the storytelling, this big expansive aspect being conjunct Neptune. He probably was convinced himself that everything he was doing was okay. I I would agree with you there. Um, and then one. Yeah, and with the like all the Virgo, he's got everything you said for sure, slam dunk. But then the Sun Pluto, he's got a, a secret. He he can be uh, there's something about him we don't know, and that did eventually come to the surface. And we'll have to maybe we could do another pod on famous scandals or something to oh, see which um. transits um kind of triggered this in his chart because this is a crazy chart because everything is in uh, two quadrants as well. Well, I, I wish we had a birth time. It would give us more of the story, but even with just this, it's, it's kind of fantastic. Yeah. It's a, this is a really great chart. And again, we said we we're going to bring up people who were naturally Jupiterian and for sure someone who has Jupiter um, domiciled in Sagittarius, uh, exactly sextile um, Venus. Now there's a lot more going on in this chart, but there's no question that that is a Jupiterian person. Yeah, no, that was kind of an accident. I didn't pull, I got a few other Jupiter people, but that one was uh, not planned. So cool. <laughs> well, that was fun. Why don't we do, do you have any other ones you want to bring up? We can, I'll pull them up um, right now. No, I, I was going through trying to find Jupiter people. Um, and I don't need to do this to be mystery chart or anything. I had um, Steven Spielberg. I like kind of his Jupiter signatures. If you want to talk about that one. Um, uh, let me just pull it up. If you're a Spielberg that. fan like myself, I well, love all of his movies. Sci-fi, you're, uh, you're a Russian communist if you don't like Steven Spielberg. <laughs> um, I mean, he. It's funny that he makes these kid. You got to look at his chart. It's cool. He makes. I've, these, I've seen it before. I'm pulling it up right now. Okay. So, do you want? Do you need the birth time or anything? No, I'm, I'm just. Pull, I know it's an astro because I've seen it before. But just yeah. real quick, Steven Spielberg, born December eighteenth, nineteen. 46 in Cincinnati, Ohio, and the birth time is 6.16 p.m. Yep. He's a Cancer rising, the ascended at 10 degrees. Yeah, and, you know, we have Jupiter. I have it as a fifth house. I hope uh, Hosein does the same, but uh, he's got a lot of Scorpio signature. He's got Jupiter in Scorpio, and the fifth house is the, you know, house of children. He makes all these kind of family friendly, kid-friendly, E.T. Uh, was he, did he do the Goonies? I can't remember. But like all those kind of kid movies, which is the fifth house, but he does it in like dark themes. Even E.T. has like a dark undertone. Like all of his movies are kind of dark, alien, kind of mystery stuff. That's why I love Jupiter in his chart. So, um, so the fifth house is really um, prominent in this chart. And I'll just yeah. say, so he's got the moon at six degrees Scorpio in the fifth house. He's got Jupiter at 17 degrees Scorpio, and then he has Venus at 19 Venus. degrees Scorpio. So he has a natal Venus, for lack of a half hour, yumminess, and Jupiter context together in that house of creativity, that house of children. Um, and then he has uh, that prominent um, Sag sun, and he also has Mercury in Sag. He's actually going to get clobbered by this, uh, this current retrograde. It's going to go right over his Mercury. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, I mean, Jupiter also just went through his fifth house, and he's gonna get hit um, by Jupiter and Sag too. So he's his chart's been triggered the last year for sure. Um, but I, I call him a Jupiter. I don't know if he's complete a Jupiter person, but I liked Jupiter in his chart because he tells stories, kid friendly stories, fifth house stories. They're fun. 
Um, yet they're dark. He's got Jupiter in Scorpio, like kind of dark, secretive, mysterious type stories that he tells. The thing I think that's interesting about this is that he did the movie um, Ready Player One, which I haven't seen. I really want to. Oh, we just watched it. You got to see it. So the theme, and please correct me, okay. is that there's this alternate universe underneath the surface that's that's done through video games that people are really living in. It's kind of a dystopian future. And the the main character learns how to kind of beat the code and beat the bad guys and kind of uh, become sort of a, a hero figure to a lot of people because there's a trick in the game. The game's creator said that if anyone wins the game, they kind of get the keys of the castle. And so in this alternate universe underneath reality, like those scorpionic realm, yes. this kid becomes the hero. Yes, very cool example for not seeing the movie. <laughs> um, yeah, he shows like the dark underworld. It's like, did he do the Goonies? Did he? I think he did the Goonies. I can Google it. I got a um, computer right here. I mean, even E.T. when like the government came to like steal E.T. Like that was one of my favorite, still is one of my favorite movies of all time. Just that like scary bad guy coming to get the alien who you think the alien's a bad guy, but is it? You know, he, he makes you question like who is the dark force in the story? <laughs> I wish um, you have done this ahead of time because you look <laughs> through his massive, massive list. And I'm like, oh, he did Schindler's List. I wonder where Jupiter was then, you know? <laughs> Um, so and I'm not going to do that. I'm just pulling up to see if he did, um, Goonies. Wow. He did too many things. I got to just Google Goonies. <laughs> I know. I think, um, he was sort of involved in Indiana Jones. Oh no, he um, was super involved. He did a uh, super, super eight. Is that what it's called? That came out. Anyway, he, he loves aliens and I do too. So that's why I love Steven Spielberg and maybe he can be, we should do a famous person chart pod like Lance Armstrong or Steven Spielberg and like go through their transits and maybe progress charts to see when their you know scandals and or awesome movies came out he did uh well so this is telling me that if I like um this movie I should see a bunch of Steven Spielberg movies um so uh one thing we should do is that we should do uh one of our um one of the specific um Episodes where we break down a movie and say which sign or which planet rules the characters. We should do that with Goonies. Oh, that'd be fun. Anything from the 80s, I'm game. But if you look, so this is nerdery, has nothing to do with astrology. But if you look at the people that were in this movie, so Sean Astin, in other words, um, he's super famous. He was uh, in uh, a bunch of the Lord of the Rings movies. Josh Brolin was in it. So Sean Astin was Mikey. Josh Brolin was Brand. Corey Feldman was Mouth. I mean, there's a ton of, uh, of famous people. Yeah, he launched everyone's careers. Way to go, Steven. That's a very okay, keep talking thing while to I do. make sure that Steven <laughs> I don't know if I can keep this. talking. Uh, what else can I say about his chart? Um, well, he's got a lot of water, which is cool. He's got a lot of water and a lot, a lot of fire. He doesn't have a ton of air. Yep, he directed like it for sure. Zero Earth. Oh, he did the Goonies. That's what I thought. So the one I, thing uh, I'm, I'm going to bring up one more thing that's more mundane and health related. But one thing Jupiter can do is lead to um, health problems because let's say you have um, asthma and all of a sudden Jupiter shows up in your sixth house and let's say it's in Gemini ruling the lungs. You you see an expansion of those lungs. So something to look out for. And I see that Stephen's kind of getting up there in age and he has the sun in Jupiter in his sixth house. And so I see Jupiter show up there and I'm like, ooh, the sun, the heart. Like maybe this is a time when you're going to get those pipes cleaned out or maybe no. a mild heart attack. I like um, Jupiter in his fifth. You have so whole sign puts Jupiter in his sixth. Mm -hmm. no, 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 I'm sorry, not Jupiter, the sun. No, but oh, Jupiter is going to yeah. come. 
Jupiter, I'm saying, is transiting his sixth oh, house. Oh, gotcha. That's okay. So these that are the kind of signifiers you look for. I'm sorry, I wasn't clear. No, no, I got. Um, it. Do you have anyone else? Because there's there's one I wanted to really bring up. I but, do have one more, but let's uh, let's switch over to you. What do you got? Well, can you bring them up? Because I, I need to find this person's um, birth time. I know I have oh. it in my system. Okay, uh, who is it? Mario Batali. We don't have a... Um, Mario Batali was born September 19th, 1960. Now... You keep picking people. I don't know who they are. I don't know who Mario Batali is. So no. Mario Batali is a famous chef. Mario Batali is incredibly um, jubilant. He um, he's very bouncy and 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 he's larger than life. He's he's this uh, he's he's a corpulent person, to put it politely. Um, and Mario Batali also one of the things that you see as one of the downfalls of Jupiter is almost like too much jauntiness. There, uh, Jupiter, the um, the sky god, was known for being um, handsy with the ladies. Um, he would trick people into um, having sex with him. And what we found out when the Me Too movement hit is it hit Mario Batali just square in the face. And now Mario was an incredible storyteller in those same, the, the things I like to talk about Jupiter. So Mario brought the concept of the slow f- food movement in the United States, the idea that we should really um, relish what we eat, take time with it. Okay, and that's con- Moon and Taurus for sure. I see and that. he connected it to the idea of classic Italian cooking. And he did it, um, his initial show was on the Food Network. He eventually had a bunch of restaurants. He was incredibly successful. But he did it in a way that um, that was, that was it made it look easy. He made the story of making classic Italian food easy. His thing was just get the best ingredients. Get the best ingredients, cook them simply, let the ingredients stand out, um, and that's what you're shooting for. And again, he was this big, heavy set, red-haired guy. He kind of was quirky. He wore Crocs um, in the kitchen, sometimes without um, uh, stockings. Uh, but then it turned out during that Me Too period, he um, was he, he was really inappropriate with staff, um, and not just once or twice. I mean, I don't know that he's back in the in the limelight. He he had a TV show even. I mean, more than one. So he had a TV show like on network television where he's part of a panel of chefs that would talk every day. Um, he really had, he really got hit hard. So his, his Jupiter, um, I was just saying he's an incredibly Jupiterian persona is at 24 degrees Sagittarius. So look for a Mario Batali rebound if that's possible. And that Jupiter is exactly square his son in uh, Virgo. So uh, September 16th, 1960, we don't have a birth time. Opposite Mars, it's got a T-square. Right, um, exactly opposite Mars, too. So the idea that you're going to have um, conflicts between this jauntiness, the storytelling, and this Mars, in Gemini, where Mars likes to be, Mars, Gemini can keep Mars active, lots of data, lots of input. But also, um, you know, Mars can can then lead to anger, can lead to, um, you know, too impulsive with some of those sex drives. It's just right there. Okay. Yeah, I... Honestly, I haven't heard of him, but Google a um, picture. I bet you've seen no, him. No, no, I, I, I am. I got his picture in front okay. of me just now. But oh. um, yeah, I don't know cooking. A total food. I don't nerd, know. Yeah. I don't know cooking or politics, Kip. <laughs> <laughs> what a perfect combo we are. Like I don't two know things either I know of those. What about don't bow hunting? You know anything about bow hunting or I fishing? Don't, I don't like hunting. Wow, I we've like covered hunting. all my bases. 
<laughs> so, yeah, we got nothing in common with our interests. I'll, I'm going to be talking about aliens, and uh, you keep bringing the politics and the and the shifts. Okay, so which what's another one you have? Um, my other chart for a Jupiter example is Paul McCartney. Okay, do you have uh, what's what Mr. McCartney's data? Uh, June 18th, 1942. Liverpool, have- England, uh, 2 p.m. So Paul McCartney has one of my um, signatures for brilliant musicians, which is Sun and Gemini, uh, Venus and Taurus. I see this repeatedly. I think Prince had the same thing. Just very well-known, talented musicians. Um, I see this signature a lot. And in his chart, I have Jupiter out of sign, but conjunct his sun. Did you pull it up yet? I'm still going. Okay. Um, So once you get it, he's got a 25-degree Virgo rising. Neptune is also rising, which is I'm a cool. terrible speller. <laughs> uh, M-C-C-A-R-T-N-E-Y. But this wasn't June. letting me. I, I was able to do it through Astro. I know I have it in my uh, solar part, too. All right, here's Mr. McCartney. Um, so real strong. So beginning this off, Paul McCartney is, again, oftentimes considered a very um, Gemini, especially songwriting figure. He's great with words. Tell stories really intricately and simply. Yeah. Yep. Oh, and so um, this is really, what a beautiful um, Jupiter. So I also have Jupiter in Cancer. Jupiter is exalted in Cancer. So <clears throat> if we think of rulership, so that's like your home. Like you're in your own castle. You're in charge of everything. And sometimes that means you have responsibility. Now, so um, there's work to do. So when Jupiter's in Sagittarius, Jupiter's writing the philosophy. Jupiter's telling the truth. But when Jupiter is in Cancer, it's almost like going to your best friend's house where you're allowed to take as much beer out of the fridge as you want or um, or that type of situation. So when a king is visiting another kingdom and, and everyone loves them and they can do whatever they want, they have unlimited resources, but they have no responsibility there. And so when Jupiter is in Cancer, that's, that's how um, happy Jupiter is. Now, I've had people who have struggled with this placement. How can Jupiter, this... Um, ex, you know, making things bigger, being the king of the universe, um, buoyancy, be exalted in cancer, in the kitchen, and in, in nurturing, and motherhood. I oftentimes think of cancer as a sign with deep interior resonance, right? It's the moon. It's our interior life. Now, there is as much inside as there is outside. There's no limit to the amount of um, interior life we can have. And so when Jupiter is in cancer, Jupiter is expanding that interior life that story of nurturing. I oftentimes think of the movie um, uh, with Will Smith, Men in Black, where... Um, Hell yeah, now you're talking my language, finally. <laughs> <laughs> where uh, the bug, the bad guy comes, and, and the bad guy's looking for um, the galaxy on Orion's belt. And everyone's looking for this huge thing because the galaxy is supposed to be this man- monstrous weapon. And it turns out that Orion's, the good guy's cat, and it's on, and the belt is actually Orion's um, collar. And when you look closely at the jewel, there's just unlimited interior to the jewel. It's an entire galaxy fit in the size of a quarter. And that's what I oftentimes think of when I think of Jupiter and Cancer, this idea of unlimited interior context. Okay, that's not entirely translating. Um, only because I got distracted with cats and sci-fi movies, but I, I think I, I think I get what you're saying. Um, Kind of a sparkly, beautiful, Jupiterian kind of inner universe. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. So, yeah, we see that uh, I have hit. Where do you have his 10th house? Is it Cancer then? 
Rocky Raccoon. No, 11th house. Comes into Okay, so room. in my Placidus house system, I have Sun, Jupiter, conjunct in his 10th of career. You know, he shines uh, telling stories, Jupiter's stories, like you said. He um, not only writes the stories, but tells them in his career. And that's what I see in the Placidus house system with 10th. So no disrespect to Placidus. I have no problem with Placidus. But uh, if you look at this from a whole house um, perspective, they're still very close. But you have the sun in Gemini. So he shines in the 10th house. It's right next to his MC, too. The sun is yeah, basically conjunct his MC. Yeah. So he shines being in the spotlight. Obviously, Paul McCartney, that fits pretty good. Yeah. Um, talking, communicating. And then you have Jupiter in the 11th house. So this strong, familial yeah. bond, nurturing. And he had a couple pretty good allies, if I'm not mistaken. Um, those being the rest of the Beatles. Um, so he's a. Uh, <laughs> I have his moon in the 11th. So I wasn't talking about wings. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a packed 11th house, and he's also got a lot of charities. He's done a lot of work. He's donated tons of money. So he's just an awesome dude. And he's got Neptune rising, which is just like, what can I, how can I help the universe? So the signifiers I see here that really talk about someone being famous is you have this sun conjunct the MC. Right, so the very highest place the sun can reach in the sky, the place where the native's most visible, oftentimes signifying the career. The sun's right there, and it's in Gemini, communication. And then you have the moon in Leo. Leo, and so yeah. He, he's fed inside. He, he, he feels nurtured and provides nurturing when he's out in front, when the yeah. spotlight's on him. So, um, you know, I would never guarantee that Mr. McCartney just looking at this chart was going to have like this big productive superstar life. But then you also see Venus in Taurus, you know, so this is just a powerhouse of a chart. Um, and you can tell that um, this person, um, you know, fully living out their incarnation for lack of a better term is really going to be uh, productive and happy. I mean, this is, this is almost, this wouldn't be exactly what I would pick for an election. I would probably pick a different time. Um, well, you know, I don't know. This might be an actual election. Like I might actually pick this as, the time where I would recommend someone do something uh, because this is such a great alignment in the skies. Yeah, I, I don't know if this is a confirmed birth time since that, you know, straight 2 p.m. makes me nervous, but it didn't say noon. So this might be, you know, somewhat confirmed. And Virgo rising, what I see with Virgo rising people, especially if they are performers or like do some kind of events, they really perfect their craft and they want to get the details right and they want to um, make sure everyone in their audience thinks, you know, that was a perf- perfect performance. So I wonder if Paul somehow has anxiety with that uh, Virgo rising. But the Leo and uh, the Jupiter and Cancer might kind of counteract that. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, so we're not going to be certain it's Virgo, but he also, when you think of someone who was um, really intricate with their songwriting, someone who paid attention to the details of all the Beatles, he was the guy who had the most um, intricacy in their in the actual stories that those that they told. I'm not, you know, saying that he was the best because I don't need that debate. But uh, but I definitely can see that in there. Yeah, and that's um that's the last example I had for a chart. Did you have any more? I'm gonna pull one more. I just googled famous um, Sagittarius, um, and I just this made so this is a double A chart as far as um, Astro's concerned. We know that there's some controversy and how some of those birth times were collected. Uh, but we'll go with it just because it's just a fun conversation. This is Jimi Hendrix. Um, and wow. I almost yep. actually picked that one. <laughs> so Jimi um, Hendrix born uh, November 27th, 1942. 
in Seattle, Washington, where all good things come from, at 10.15 a.m. Um, so Jimmy um, was born with the sun um, at, so his AC, he, he is a Sagittarius rising, right? That He's a double Sag, yeah. Yeah, his ascendant is at 24 degrees Sagittarius. And also in Sagittarius, he had Mercury at two degrees, the sun at four degrees, and Venus at seven degrees. So this is a power-packed Sagittarian house. Fiery guy. Now, we, we talk about, now I didn't know any of this, but we talk about someone with significant Sagittarius um, um, connections, right? Uh, signifiers. We, we look at Jimmy and we say, there's a lot of, Sag makes sense because Jimmy was larger than life. He actually tried to play backup music in a number of groups and didn't work because he just overwhelmed them with what he was doing. He recreated how guitar was played. There was just too much, too much Jimmy expansion. And what we see here is we see, um, in addition to this packed Sagittarian house, then the first thing you look for when you see where the sun is or where the first house is, is what's that ruling planet? Like we were saying with Sagittarius, it's Jupiter. Well, Sagittarius is... Again, exalted in Cancer. So we see this robust, intense first house. And um, Jupiter is also conjunct Jimmy's moon. Also in Cancer where um, the moon is at home. Uh, so we have this larger-than-life persona who really brings out a ton of emotion and feeling in his songs. I've, I've watched a number of Jimi Hendrix um, biographies. And what Jimmy really loved is when the whole audience was on acid, the same type of acid. They call it <laughs> Osley acid. I, I don't know why. Um, I think it's the person who made it. I don't know. But then the, the vibe in the whole stadium was the same. And Jimmy could just take the entire group and lead their interior life through his journey and his guitar. Um, do you see anything other? I, have, I could go on and on, but I want to hear what you have to say. Uh, no, I don't know. A whole ton about him, but he was a very big feeler from this chart. Like he had very deep, you know, sensitive emotions. Um, and so everything you said just made sense. And I have, uh, I don't have all of his, his you have a son in the first house. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mine's in the 12th. And I, did he, didn't he die of a drug overdose? So interesting. Or is there controversy? Is there a scandal about that? Uh, there isn't, uh, I don't think. Uh, but interestingly, <clears throat> I have Jupiter and the moon in the eighth house, the house that has everything to do with death. Um, so he he would talk about um, like getting too close to the other side of of the veil. And there's a lot about just Jimmy that's considered sort of um, uh, almost more than just music, but mystical. And you really see that with those eighth house placements, the place where the veil is thin. Gotcha. Yeah, I have Pluto right on the edge, uh, cusp of his eighth house, and then North Node and Chiron in there. So that's interesting too. He does have a loaded eighth house in my chart as well. Also, lots of fire in that in that house. And he burnt hot, and uh, and he faded away. He the other thing with Jimmy is Jimmy was a famous philanderer. I don't I don't think uh, I don't use that in a negative term, but Jimmy had a lot of sexual partners. He was very open about it. One of his most famous album covers, Electric Ladyland, is about twenty a whole bunch. Of, of females naked. They're just well, sitting funny, in a big Because <laughs> I have Jupiter and the moon in his seventh house in Cancer, yet Gemini is his descendant, which is, you know, could be multiple personalities and multiple partners. And then with the moon in the seventh, that's like, yeah, multiple ladies. I wonder if he was a little bit uncomfortable with fame 
with the south node in Aquarius, I see people more, you know, naturally being wallflowers or observers are not so comfortable in the spotlight. So I wonder if he struggled with that. Is there, do you know anything about that? Well, he didn't always face the crowd when he played. Sometimes he would actually turn around. He was uh, famously had some stage fright and he would, that's one of the reasons he started yeah. really taking drugs and he would face yeah. actually the speaker, like these super loud giant speakers and he would face that it and play sense. against it. I mean, um, even a lot of cancer, um, you know, more yeah, shy, mm-hmm. shy and withdrawn. I just see him not being super comfortable performing or being seen. Like I see South, like I'm a South Node Aquarius. I don't like to be seen. He'd have to work on that. So um, you're talking about having lots of 12 house stuff. And he also had uh, in the whole sign system, Mars in Scorpio. So Mars domiciled in Scorpio in the 12th house, which means a lot of intense interior life bubbling up, boiling um, in his 12th house or the house that can um, lead the native off course or the house oftentimes thought of as being a place of refuge, <clears throat> uh, traditionally uh, signifying jails or institutions. Um, Is Mars unaspected too? More or less. Yeah, There's a like really I, yeah. loose trying to Jupiter. Yeah. Oh, okay. But that no, would make I, sense uh, an unaspected Mars in the sign uh, the, so ruling kind of fierce sexuality in the sign, often uh, denoting sexuality, which is Scorpio. And then you have Mars unaspected, so just kind of a loose cannon. Or peregrine is how you tell, call unaspected planets in the uh, in the traditional sense. In his 12th house that knocks the native off course, you see Jimmy oftentimes, um, you know, missing uh, events and engagements because he's met a young lady and they're, as he liked to put it, taking a bite of the apple. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I almost picked this chart for this pod, but I didn't because I didn't know much about him. But now I know that you are a Jimi Hendrix expert, so I should <laughs> glad it came up anyway. There was definitely a time in my life where uh, Jimmy was my guy. There's no question about it. So we're at about 55 minutes. Um, was there anything else Jupiterian you wanted to discuss? No, I'm I'm good. Um, I'm better friends with Jupiter than I was 55 minutes ago. So thank you. Well, I hope this was fun. Uh, thanks everyone for coming. Please, if you have a chance, we really appreciate it. If you um, review the podcast, um, you know how to find us. Uh, and I will let Meredith sign us off. Thank you, Kip. We'd like to thank July Fighter for our opening and closing music. Please listen to July Fighter on any music streaming services. Also, you can reach us at thebasementastrologers at gmail.com. We always love hearing from you. We have uh, Twitter, we have Facebook, and we have a brand new Instagram account that we will soon be posting to. So please follow us on social media as well. And again, thank you, Kip, and good night, Earthlings.